0: Today, I consider consider myself the luckiest luckiest man 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 on the face face of the earth. I've been given a bad break, but I've got an awful lot to live for. Hey guys. This is episode number 82 of the International Baseball Community Podcast. I'm your host, David Burns, and today we have former seven-year MLB veteran pitcher Josh Colmenter on the podcast Josh is best known for his Tomahawk delivery that deceived MLB batters for seven years and continues to deceive batters now in the Australian Baseball League the past couple of years. Uh, so we'll move on directly to this interview. I don't want to waste any more time. So please join us in this interview with Josh Colemanter. Josh, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Well, this, uh, I'd like to start back in the early years um when you first started playing baseball did you have any anyone that you considered a mentor that was kind of uh introduced to the game or um that you looked up to in your early years
1: yeah my dad was kind of my first coach he small town a lot of the dads just coached literally coach pitch and all that and then um Yeah, there was one guy named Tom Sharpley who was kind of the first travel ball coach I had, and he had played uh, at a couple of pretty good levels, and uh, that was kind of the first time you start learning more than, you know, just this is what you do, you hit the ball, you throw the ball, you actually learn some fundamentals, and then um, my high school coach Scott Sallow and high school summer ball coach Bob Wright were really the guy that started learning some more of the
0: advanced baseball stuff from. And did anybody, at, this is a little off script here a little bit, but did anybody try to correct your pitching cor- mechanics? Or I, I maybe shouldn't say correct because it was very effective, obviously. Um, did anyone try to um, work with your mechanics a bit and maybe not to come straight over the top? No,
1: and I think, Probably part of that was my high school baseball coach was like an infielder. He played in college. Um, and no coach I had was ever really a pitcher. Mm-hmm. So there was nobody that I think really thought it was that different. And, you know, I was always one of the better pitchers on the teams I was on. So I think if it, the old, uh, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. Because they just kind of let me go. And then even getting further on, my college pitching coach absolutely loved it. He thought the deception Mm -hmm. and what he could do with that, and especially teaching me the changeup. So he kind of let that uniqueness thrive. Um, And I think getting into pro ball from there, uh, having success early, I just don't think they knew what to do. I feel like uh, if I wouldn't have been good lucky rookie ball and up, i think the first thing
0: to change would have been my arm angle yeah yeah and usually they they change the arm angle like they they if anything if somebody's struggling to make it to that next level they they want you to maybe drop it down a bit and try it that way but in your case it was you know maybe they should start telling guys to to straighten it out even more <laughs> in the future um so yeah, exactly. yeah why not right it seems to work so um what about uh, growing up in a small town you you come from a town of around 1600 residents did that play a role in how it like how it shaped you as a person or as a pitcher in your future success
1: yeah I think uh, and I just listening to um, somebody uh, in an interview I can't remember talking a little bit about the same thing growing up in a small town they love. Um, growing up there it's a great place I mean you kind of get raised by the entire community because you know everybody so whether it's from people you come across at the school um, through grew up in church through that to you know obviously parents um, aunts and uncles grandparents all living right there in that small town so you kind of got input from everybody and that was something too that once you get into high school, and you're playing sports and um, academically, and then going to college. Just cause, you know, small towns really take pride in people that um, have success. You know, whether it be in sports, getting to go play in college, or other things. Just because it's not common for everybody to do that, there's a lot of people that just stay in that town, and that's the life that they are gonna live. And um, you know, a lot of second, third generation people from Homer.
0: And so they kind of take pride in that and then kind
1: of made sure that you weren't messing up along the way. So there's a lot of that in college. Like, you know, they knew that I had a chance to do something and, um, wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to let that opportunity slip away. So you, um, you know, probably get a little more input, um, from people that you wouldn't really expect than, uh, you know, growing up in other places
0: sure yeah that that makes a lot of sense and i can i can imagine from your perspective too that um you probably it probably gave you that extra drive because you kind of felt like you know you had you didn't want to disappoint this this town of people that have kind of you know advised you or or supported you or cheer you on along the way so i can see that giving that you that extra little bit of drive that that might make a difference too
1: yeah that does for sure and then also uh You know, just trying to prove, you know, I I was a late bloomer, um, committed to go to college in July with, you know, school starting in August, and, you know, kind of passed by by some of the other universities in Michigan and stuff, so that definitely puts a chip on your shoulder that you want to, you know, not only prove, you know, the coaches at Central Michigan take a chance on me right, but then also, you know, try to prove everybody else wrong.
0: Yeah. Yeah, most definitely uh well uh, like most of the articles and that I've read about you and, and it's no secret that your 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 tomahawk throwing delivery has kind of been labeled as the your key success factor and um and of course your your um change up your nasty change up that goes with it but are is there anything else that you want to say hey you know there's there, I also have this. This is a big part of why I was able to achieve the success that I did, whether it be like a mental approach or a work ethic or something like that. Is there anything else that you felt was a major factor in your success?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, just getting filled from an early age, um, you know, hard work. You know, coming, coming from a small town that's, you know, the mantra for most of those places. A lot of people make their living, you um, you know, just on a hard day's work and you learn that and you learn that in um, sports, all the different coaches and, um, you know, a lot of people in every sport kind of preach the same things that there's a few things that, um, you know, you can control yourself, your attitude, you know, your work ethic. Um, You know, you can make sure you don't get out of work. You might not have the most talent and um, Mm -hmm. so a lot of those things but also, um, one thing I really enjoyed was just the mental kind of chest game back and forth between the pitcher and the hitter. And I really liked um, reading the hitters, reading swings, um, you know, even just the position in the box. Um, for me, you know, I was always adding and subtracting fastball changeup, so you'd see guys kind of adjust to that. And not being a hard thrower, if I was able to, like, get my fastball past guys or they're consistently late on it i knew that they were looking for a changeup, and and vice versa if they were all over my fastball i knew all right i got them because they don't want to get to that changeup. so uh, i really enjoyed that and just learning more about the hitters and um just trying to come up with creative ways to put myself um in an account to you know get it out whether it's a you know if, it's, they have to, if they don't want or you know strike out or something but i really um did a lot of that i think that helped
0: as well do you have any point in your career whether it be in a professional career or or prior to that your college career where you feel like because of your lack of velocity in terms of today's you know like not everything's 95 today um do you yeah. feel like you were ever not given a fair shake or overlooked, or and if so, how did you deal with it? Because I, I can't—I tend to come across this quite a bit with a lot of the guys we deal with on the, on the website, and we help go overseas. Is is a lot of the pitchers they just they they um, never could break that ninety mark, and uh, but they feel like they have the ability to be a deceiving pitcher and and have the same approach, kind of like you were just explaining, um, and be able to. Um, make it to a high level anyway, and they feel like they weren't given um, the proper chance.
1: Yeah, I mean, fortunate for me, I mean, I would have thrived, you know, if I was 10 years older, I mean, that would have been perfect. My entire career would have been kind of in that realm, just watching all the old baseball games are showing out because, um, you know, nothing's live, you see a lot of that, and that was kind of the era um, that I was probably destined to pitch in. But, um, you know, once I got to college, I was fortunate enough to get, um, you know, almost every opportunity. It was kind of getting into college. So it was, um, you know, it took a while. It was kind of a late bloomer and had a good run our senior year. But once I got to college, I got to throw our pitch right away. Uh, I got to play in the Cape Cod Summer League. Um, and then, you know, ended up getting... Drafted, but I think could have definitely been drafted, um, you know, in the earlier rounds if I had that velocity. Because for one, not throwing that hard really made me focus. And in high school, I really worked on location, and that was kind of my forte. Was I could put the ball where I wanted. Whereas you watch a lot of guys now, and yeah, they throw 95 plus, but they're just trying to throw it in the general box of the strike zone. They're not really. <laughs> yeah. You know, throwing to a corner, throwing to a spot. And so I really prided myself on that. And that's what I tell guys now is, you know, there's not too many, but, like, Kyle Hendricks is really one guy that comes to mind and mm-hmm. still, you know, giving a chance time in and time out. And it's fun to watch that because even talking to hitters when Kyle was playing, they would much rather face a guy that's throwing 95 because they know they're going to get a pitch out over the plate, and at that point, it's just timing. They just have to get the pass to the ball. Yeah. Um, they're not scared. It's the guys that can put the ball where they want. One pitch is down, and then way, Next pitch is up and in. Then the next pitch is slow. Then they just can't ever get comfortable that way. Mm-hmm. And that's really all you're trying to do as a pitcher is make the hitter as uncomfortable as possible and just disrupt their timing. And I think guys that can add and subtract and do that um, are more effective. Just the way that the game's going now is velocity, 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 and it's unfortunate that there's a lot of guys that could have a lot of success that just won't get the chance, and um, I don't know if there'll ever be a correction back to it, um, because there's got to be a residual with velocity. lot, I mean, guys can only throw so hard, and even then they can only throw that hard for so long, um, and some of the guys that never really learn how to pitch struggle, because once that velocity goes away, um, you know,
0: they're very, very uh, below average. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You would think it might recorrect itself in time because now there's so many guys that can throw 95 that you don't really stand out anymore as much, you know, as you used to when you did. So, um, yeah. So let's let's move on to the MLB career before we before we get to um, the discussion about overseas and and what you did there. Um, when did MLB? first become a, a very realistic goal for you when did that kind of click where you're like okay i got a legit shot at this
1: um probably when i got to double a because when i was coming up it was like if you can get to double a and do well there you know then you might have a chance at the time most of the prospects and stuff were kept in um double a triple a was still a lot of um, you know, guys that had some big league time that would maybe go fill in, um, as opposed to now, where you know every level you come across is just young mm-hmm. prospects. There's so many guys now, mm-hmm. um, so getting to double A and having some success, and um, you know, really having one of the better stretches of my minor league career at that level, and then getting a chance to go to the fall league um, in 2010, and there you're, you know, you're playing against the best of the best of the minor leagues and I did well there and you know didn't really change it, because just pitched how I knew how and um you know at that point you're like, all right, I can kinda of hold my own against um, you know, the best down here. Maybe that's gonna give me a shot and it really worked out. The D backs were in uh, well, transition period, new general manager, new manager, and uh, you know, the first chance they really got to see me throw was in the fall league and um, I did well each time they saw me, and that really,
0: uh, really worked out. Yeah, which which led to your MLB debut on April seventeenth, two thousand seventeen, against the Giants. Correction: It was April seventeenth, two thousand eleven, not two thousand seventeen. And uh, you know, can you lead a, Just tell us about that experience and how it went down, and maybe, like, your, your thought process or what was going through your mind maybe during the moment and then afterwards?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I got to go to major league spring training that year, which was nice. because I kind of got to know um, a lot of the guys, but I was one of the first guys to get, to get sent back down because I had to get stretched out to be a starter in the in AAA and didn't really think anything of it. The general manager and manager said, you know, we really like what you did. Um, and don't be surprised if we call you up to be in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. And that just didn't make any sense to me because I never, my entire Miley career, uh, pitched out of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. i would always been a starter. I've always been groomed to be a starter. So I didn't think anything. Of it. I was like, yeah, they're not going to bring me up to be in the bullpen so that I've never done before. And uh, <clears throat> so sure enough, <clears throat> I did one third triple A. and a phone call. Yeah. Um, we just got back to Reno and the um, trainers in the minor leagues are kind of the secretaries. They handle guys going up and down. They kind of just take care of everything in addition to being the trainers. So he's like, I got a call for you. I think you want to take it. And uh, I was like, well, it's you know, really only you know either good news or bad news. And uh, it was our farm director and um, he's like, yeah, You know, you're going to the major leagues and uh, just completely in in disbelief because, you know, in AAA, there's a handful of guys that have had that opportunity that got the call, um, got to play. And so, you know, you hear some experiences from that, but um, it was unbelievable. And it was just a whirlwind of, uh, I think I had to fly at 6 o'clock the next morning, got hardly any sleep. We were just packing what I needed because I didn't know how long I was going to go. Didn't really get told anything. and get into town, um, you know, report super early and I get there and the guy's like, what are you here for? Like, you get an MRI or something? i was like, no, because <laughs> they had made a move yeah. late at night to put a guy on a disabled us and so none of the players were really new cause I don't think they released it to the media until that day mm-hmm. and, um, and that's the thing you learn quickly is if you get called up, um, it says they need you. Like, they need an arm if you guys are taxed or, you know, they're not bringing you up to just put you on the bench, they're bringing you up and you know, throw you right in the fire. And uh, that's exactly what happened. I warmed up the first night, didn't go in, nothing the second night. And then, um, Sunday was kind of nice because we were in extra inning. So it was kind of that, all right, you know, if we don't walk them off here, you're for sure going in. And so you kind of have that realization. It's not, you know, if you're going to get in, it's like most definitely you will. And, mm-hmm. um, and I remember my pitching coach in college, he's like, I wouldn't tell this to most guys, but I think you can handle it. He's like, if you get the chance to get called up, take everything in. When you run in, or you run out from the dugout, whatever it is, take a look at the crowd, take all the surroundings in. He's like, Cause you only get that one first chance. So I remember that running in, and uh, I don't think Chase Field ever felt bigger than that moment. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of nice, because I was facing the Giants, and you know, a couple of the guys I faced... Um, I had faced the minor leagues during spring training that year, so it was kind of, you know, comfortable knowing that i had got these guys out before and I, I just told myself get the first guy, and I remember sitting on the bench after the first inning and one, two, three, and I was like I've thrown an inning in the major leagues like whatever happens from this point, I can always at least hang my hat on that and yeah. Um, yeah. just an unbelievable feeling and like sense of relief kind of
0: mm-hmm. So you you walked back out in the 12th and yeah and then you ended up getting the picking up the win
1: yeah it was a, a storybook um, script I had uh, a couple of friends in the stands uh which was really neat and um I remember in the bottom of the 12th um, when um, uh I think it was Justin Up that got the hit or any sort of the run but um Kirk Gibson looked at me he's like he hit because I was in the on-deck circle <laughs> um, I was like I can, I can swing like, I have you know had a few at-bats and um, I was like yeah, I can swing and uh, so I was on deck and so I had like a front row view of that so to be part of a walk-off win in the major leagues is unbelievable but for that to be you know my first <laughs> appearance pick up a win yeah. um, you know get to experience all that we had an off day the next day um, which was nice we weren't traveling till then so yeah. Had to soak it all up, and I remember getting back to the hotel. I was in the lobby with a couple of friends, and um, the lobby bar just had uh, like Sports Center on or whatever baseball tonight, maybe. And it's the ticker's scrolling along the bottom, and it says, you know, um, D backs Giants, and then afterwards Cole Mentor win one one and oh, that's so cool. like Sports Center, you know, 10,000 times, to see your name pop up there was uh, yeah,
0: yeah I bet. That's cool. I, I, you know, like it's 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 nice to hear the entire story around it. Like when I looked up your MLB debut and and saw what happened, I'm like, wow, that's that's a pretty cool start, you know. But I, I figured there's a little more detail to the story that would have been interesting to hear. So thanks for sharing that. Are there any MLB players past or present that whose style or work ethic you try to emulate or you admire?
1: Um. Well, growing up, I was all, like, you got to watch the Braves all the time because um, you know they were on TBS. So I got you I know, watch more Braves games than even like Tigers games from up in Michigan. And um, so I was like watching um, Maddox throw, and you know, especially towards the tail end of his career, he was unbelievable with how pinpointed his control was and movement mm-hmm. and everything. So I never tried to emulate that. Um, but I really, like, worked on being able to locate pitches. And then and the more you learn, like, you don't have to dislocate, you know, down on the corners. You can also locate, you know, up in the zone or, and then start locating your secondary pitches and how much that was a factor. And so that's something I really worked on. And, you know, ultimately ended up helping because once my velocity kind of topped out where it did, location and deception were, you know, 100% my... Um, keys to success so mm-hmm. I think just you know trying to emulate that or just watch these guys be able to throw the pitch exactly where they want it every time um, that's something I always worked on you know in flat grounds or bullpens um, just to make sure that I had you know pinpoint control that you know need to rely on this pitch or get a strike you know mm-hmm. that you can do that you know over and over
0: yeah I, w- I wasn't surprised to hear Maddox as your, as your choice <laughs> um, so yeah looking back on your career uh your mlb career um is there any advice you would give your younger self um not too
1: much i mean uh it was probably more like just off the field things um because the playing and all that is just a lot of fun it's like more handling um off the field stuff but even then it was kind of fun because I had, had family members and friends and um, things that were able to be a part of a lot of those uh, situations and so there's nothing that I really struggled with I, I mean I really enjoyed it and um, you know it was always kind of told to never take for granted that it's a game you still get to play and have fun because there are definitely times and stretches where you know maybe you're Um, going through a rough patch, or you know, sometimes when the team's just not playing well, and you go through those patches where you know you lose sight of the fact that it's fun, and um, you know, just reminders of that um, really help because, like, you know, every day you get to show up, and you know, this is your office, these different major league stadiums are your office, and Mm -hmm. um, just keeping that in mind, um, really helped. And so, that's maybe the only thing is I would have told myself to, you know, make sure you. Take day in and day out there are times where you, you know, it becomes a job and you forget about just how much
0: fun it can be. Yeah, and I do get a number of of usually former former minor league guys as opposed to college guys there or um, who who do um, come to me and they're looking to play overseas and they basically were burnt out and and baseball did become a job and it wasn't fun anymore and then they went overseas and rediscovered why they fell in love with the game in the first place. And then next thing you know, they're playing better than they ever have before. And, um, you know, and that's a common theme that I've noticed. Um, so I think going in prepared in, in, in some mental capacity to be able to just keep yourself in check. And, and I think it's not an easy thing to do, but it's definitely – good advice um to be able to try to to manage that the best you can and and keep it in perspective um, while you're while you're there or on the way so you uh when you first approached me i i think that was in early 2017 about taking your career overseas what was um the thought process at that time like what what made you decide okay i want to i want to play overseas because you hadn't really played outside of the U.S. And up until that point
1: yeah I had um, some guys that I knew before that had played um overseas whether in Italy or there was guys that had played um in Mexico like some of the guys that just never got a chance um they were you know career triple A players and were able to take it and had great things to say about playing um yeah, you know, I didn't realize that that would be the end of my career um, here. I threw well in AAA at the end of the year before, and um, you know I knew there weren't going to be any big league deals. But I thought for sure, you know, just go to the spring training and non-roster invite, you know, be able to pitch in AAA as one of those guys that you know i done it before. So if you need somebody to you know come up in the bullpen, you could do that, or make some spot starts or something. So I was kind of surprised that there was nothing, Um, but I knew that I still wanted to play and you know had a lot left in the tank. So um, I thought you know playing overseas for one would be a fun opportunity just to see different parts of the world and you know experience baseball um, in different cultures just to see what that game and atmosphere was like. And um, so I thought that would be a good opportunity. And then you know with most of those seasons starting up, giving myself a little bit of a chance to. Have some rest or something. It has been a long time since my arm um, had gotten a little bit of a break. I thought it would be, you know, a perfect opportunity to do
0: that. Yeah, yeah. So then you ended up basically playing the the following winter, then um, the 2018 19 winter in the, in the Australian Baseball League for the Auckland Tuatara, which were an upstart franchise uh, to the league. Uh, so, what made you decide to go there? Because I, I know you probably could have gone to any any team in the Australian Baseball League. Um, you already basically explained why maybe Italy um, or, or uh, a pro team in, in uh, overseas in the summer. Um, you, didn't, you decided not to do that because you wanted to give your arm a rest. So you ended up playing for Auckland. What was your decision and thought process to go to this team in this country that, you know, it's an upstart franchise. They didn't even really have a ballpark, I think, at the beginning. Um, and, then, uh, and it's also like a country that's not really known for baseball.
1: Yeah, so you put me in touch with uh, Ryan Flynn. It just so happened that he was coming through um, Phoenix not too long after. Mm-hmm. They were doing um, a little tour trying to, you know, talk with some teams about you know, getting commitments from minor leaguers or, you know, whatever, just to help the team. And, um, you know, hearing what he had to pitch, I'd always heard great things about New Zealand, been to Australia, you know, got a chance to play over there in that series. Um to kick off the 2014 season and um so i just thought it would be a neat country and then also to be part of something from the ground floor and he was explaining how they were you know trying to get baseball um you know in um to into um these kids and just uh, you know show them that there are opportunities in baseball for you know someone from new zealand and uh so it was, um, a lot of growing pains that first year. You know, we had a long road trip through Australia just because they were basically just testing out to see how the franchise would work in New Zealand. And so it was a lot of fun. I mean, we basically built the field. We, um, you know, put up tarps. We put up signage. We put the fence together. Um, a lot of that. And it was, uh, you know, uh, the unique experience of going back to the second year was, uh, a lot of fun to just look back on. You know, some of the memories of the year before and uh, they put together a great coaching staff and, um, you know, a lot of just great people over there. And so that was part of the reason I wanted to go back. One was to, you know, continue to pitch, but also I wanted to see, you know, just the big jump from year one to year two, having a stadium, having a little bit of a fan base and, you know, having a whole year plus to kind of market this. Um, you know, it was a lot of fun to see the changes and, just how much
0: it's grown in uh, you know just twelve months? Yeah, yeah, it was it was fun to watch from the outside looking in, from here in here in Europe, because um, you basically went from last place in your division to first place um, from from the first season to the second season and uh you know a decent crowd size considering baseball isn't really a a popular sport um in new zealand and you were drawing crowds uh, towards the end of the season of you know five or six thousand people which uh in in a matter of 12 months that's pretty amazing so so i i think you accomplished like when you first came to me i'll even quote you you said you want to see how you can impact and help the game overseas and it seems like you know you obviously had a big part of that development and and that success with the Auckland Tuatara team and you you pitched in in the the game where they actually clinched the division title um, this past winter and in front of you know 6000 people and it was live streaming and everything um, so how sweet was that moment to know like you kind of accomplished what you set out to do like you, you sure you got your innings and and, and you can continue to pitch but you helped really upstart this um, the sport in a, in another country where it really was, like you said, at that the grassroots or at the ground level.
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, just to put ourselves in that position, especially you know against a team that I think had won the last four
0: titles there. Um, you know, recently
1: they have been the powerhouse, and to get to play against them the last series, you know, on your own field to um, a stadium to see mm-hmm. you know, where it come from the year before playing on, you know, a makeshift time into this. And that was the goal. And especially starting off, um, I think we started off, I don't know, maybe like one and seven or one and eight and really turned it around and we were playing really good baseball. And uh, you start seeing the opportunity, you know, to make the playoffs and, um, you know, basically do a complete turnaround from the year before to be on the mound for that you know, a one nothing game um, you know, against a really good team over there and um, you know, that's why you play sports, that's why you play baseball and you know, that's the, you know, position and the chance I wanted to continue to have in my career, just to be able to be on the mound in games like that that still matter not just going out and playing you know, adult league baseball or something, but to still have that adrenaline in the competition. And, um, you know, so that was a really rewarding opportunity for me, but also for the two of us are then afterwards just to see what it meant, especially to the guys from New Zealand mm-hmm. you know, that have been, um, you know, grinding through playing a sport that's not that popular, you know, trying to put together teams for, um, world baseball classics or for Olympics or playing. You know, the under-23s, and, you know, for them, it was unbelievable just to see the outpour of emotion from those guys, but then also from uh, the fans. I mean, that's the one thing, if you want to build a sport or introduce a sport somewhere, uh, winning kind of helps. And so, yeah. to see how many people kept coming out as the team um, kept playing better and finally culminating in that last series was uh, a lot of fun to see and a lot of fun to be a part of.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was it was fun to watch. So you know, I'm looking forward to to see you know them continue to to develop and establish themselves as as uh, you know a franchise for for long term. So in, in your personal career, getting back to that, um, in your final five starts in in the ABL last winter. You really found a groove. Like you, 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 I think it was your last thirty innings. Um, you only allowed one. You only gave up one earned run. Um, and you know you threw that complete game in the in the in the shutout to cl- clinch the division title. Um, is this you know up there with one of the, you know moments in your career? I know it's on a whole different. Um, platform, um, but would you say like you, things are working right now? Can, you know, can you compare it to other moments in your career where everything seems to be working and your pitches are their most effective?
1: Yeah, it was a um, you know something you're not really paying a ton of attention to. Um, I just remember knowing like you know you've had a couple pretty good starts in a row and um, you know pitched in and out of some jams. Um, you know, still being able to make pitches when you need it or with guys on base and you know that was the one thing is like you can give up one run but staying away from big innings and um, you know, I was able to do that without giving up runs and so um, it was uh, a little different just the um, situation and where I was at and you're not really paying attention to stats or um, any of that but yes right up there with some of the stretches there's a couple times in the minor leagues that I had Um, really good runs, and then a couple times um, starting in the mail where it just seems like every time you go out, you know you're going to have success because that's how much confidence you have in yourself, it's just how you're feeling, and Mm -hmm. um, it was kind of one of those where you just couldn't wait to get back on the mound because, you know, it seemed whatever whatever pitch you went with, uh, whatever um, you know, the uh, catcher was back there it didn't really matter what was happening you knew you were going to have success and it was going to work out and, you know, those are the times that it's fun to be out on the mound It makes it a lot, a lot
0: easier <laughs> yeah definitely um, so did this Are at this point in your career w- what are your thoughts um, obviously with the coronavirus kind of wiping wiping everything out at the moment um, which I know you're looking to get back on with an MLB club and that kind of extended it a little further now um, so what, what are your thoughts right now what are your plans uh, What are you looking to go overseas again are you looking to stay at home are you looking to get into coaching I know that's been a thought um, so where, where do you stand right now in your career
1: yeah it's, uh, it's interesting to see what's happened because um, you know over last summer I had a couple opportunities to do some media and some broadcasting not mm-hmm. uh, being in Arizona I had a you know, good relationship with the Diamondbacks. And that was something I was hoping to be able to pursue further. I mean, it looks like we're going to have baseball now, but, um, on such a small scale, it's, um, and who knows what it's going to be like media wise. So that's something that I've, um, been interested in, but, uh, coaching has definitely kind of piqued my interest as of late. I think it would be fun, um, you know, just to see what that would be like or if there are some opportunities um, you know baseball is a huge family and so there's people that i had as coaches um or even that i played with that are now into coaching or that are in these different organizations so have some contacts around and um you know you never know the opportunities that could pop up if you just you know try to pursue something so um depending on you know how this shapes the landscape going forward uh um I think having a career in baseball in some capacity would be a lot of fun and something that I'm hoping to be able to have some opportunities to, to
0: do some of that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know I heard you commentated you were commentating on some of the Australian baseball league games as well and I think you got a knack for it so that it's it's definitely something that uh, you should pursue. what about the pitching side? Are you still thinking of uh, continuing overseas or, or still throwing your hat in the ring in the States?
1: Yeah, I mean, if I had the opportunity, so I haven't, um, you know, heard from the two or i I'm sure they're kind of waiting to see how everything pans out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it seems like they have um, coaching staff-wise exactly who they want, so I'm sure um, as we get closer to that, I'll have some conversations with them and mm-hmm. uh, see what they're thinking about going forward. And, um, I've already heard from uh, several guys, both that i played with over there in the two seasons, and then um, just guys that knew that I played over there. Um, I think there's going to be, um, especially from the minor league standpoint, a huge um, supply of guys that would be willing to go over there. Because especially without a minor league season here, yeah, I think there's a lot of guys that are looking for opportunities to get a bats, to get innings, mm-hmm. um, something to do. So I know there's a lot of guys that are already reaching out and getting a hold of these. Um, teams, some are have to reach out to me just to, you know, ask what it's like, um, you know, what the seasons like, what the schedules like. Because I think a lot of people are going to try to go to these different winter leagues now because you know they're not going to have a chance to play all this summer.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. Hopefully, it works out where they open up the travel restrictions again. Uh, we'll see. It's it's still up in the air right now. But yeah, I appreciate your time, Josh. Uh, we're running just over thirty minutes now, so. Do you have any parting advice for any current professionals or college players that haven't hung up the cleats and they're still pursuing whether it's an MLB dream or an overseas dream? Uh, if you have any parting advice, that'd be great. Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, baseball can open a lot of doors. You never really know what is behind each door or what it could lead to, but there's so many... Um, interwoven connection like I mentioned before it's a big family so yeah. even having an opportunity to go play somewhere overseas you know whether it's another player you're with there or a coach or someone you come across um, you know there's a lot of um, opportunities to get back to where uh, just in Austin we've had a couple guys um, that came over one right out of college one who had gone the independent baseball route um, you know prove what they could do down there. It is pretty well scouted. So, both, like, there's two guys that had a chance to go into spring training. Uh, one the year before and had a really good year in Loway, and one who was in spring training this year. Who knows what will happen now? But yeah. um, there are opportunities. So, just because it may not be working out in the states right now, doesn't mean you can't get back there. And I think international baseball is um, a great way to one on your eyes meet some new people but you can meet some connections that could help you know exactly what you want to do in your career and um, you know just coming across people I played in a little tournament in the Netherlands last summer and there was you know four or five guys that um, were playing in Europe and all over just because they wanted a chance to keep playing and you know who knows what that could lead to there's a couple guys even that um, you know played over there and then we're going to try to play on that particular countries um world baseball classic stuff or you can even get into things that way so there's a lot of doors and a lot of opportunities in that realm um and it's a lot of fun it's still baseball you still get to to do that so i would encourage anyone that's maybe on the fence or not quite sure to definitely take that leap and uh you never know what could happen
0: yeah well that's great advice and that's the world port Port tournament uh i forgot actually that you had participated in that so yeah that's a great opportunity and you know just signing up for something like that team north america to go play in this tournament in the netherlands um you know if you can i know they're always looking for guys um so you know i in the con in the show notes to this episode i can i can put more information about that to anyone that's interested but yeah great advice just take that leap of faith and you know baseball really it's a small world like when you're out there you you when you're overseas um it's the same game and you develop a lot of these contacts while you're overseas and one opportunity leads to another and uh so it's it's definitely a a good a good moment for somebody to uh that's at a crossroads in their career to to consider anyway going overseas yeah i couldn't agree more perfect thanks josh i appreciate it and uh yeah take care and i'll uh, i'll follow up with you when uh, this is through production and we're about to send it out
1: okay that sounds right
0: perfect take care stay safe hey eh? all right you do, huh? all yeah right. you as well cheers man that wraps up episode number 82 of the International Baseball Community Podcast I want to thank Josh for taking the time to sit down with us and share his story and provide the great advice that he did and if you want to see any clips of Josh's experience while playing for the Tuatara this past couple of winters you can do so on our Instagram account or our YouTube channel under the handle at baseball jobs overseas and if you're a professional club or recruited for a professional club, overseas, or around the globe, you could always email us if you uh, are interested in bringing Josh over, whether as a pitcher or a coach, and we can pass along that opportunity to him. You could email me personally at dburns at baseballjobsoverseas.com. Until next time, stay safe, everybody, and may the baseball gods be with you.